Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Conair is spreading love and celebrating women, not just on International Women's Day, but every day with Conair Girlbomb. Girlbomb is their new line of powerful hair removal tools made just for us. Yeah. Whether it's the silky smooth skin or the empowering confidence boost you get, Conair Girl Bomb is here to amp up those positive vibes with some self-care. So to all the beautiful women out there, keep shining, keep being you, and treat yourself to some Conair Girl Bomb magic. You deserve it. Available at Walgreens. The Around the NFL podcast is hosted by a bunch of old geezers. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast presented by Sirius XM. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined in a studio filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. In the course of our working together, ever been apart this long. I haven't seen Greg since the media summit in June. Mm, no, we've never gone a month without seeing each other. For like normal humans that wouldn't see that outrageous. Once you become an adult, it's like if you see your friend once a month, it's like that's a pretty good friend. But uh, uh, for us, I was getting the was getting the, the, the vapors. I didn't like it. <laughs> How was your trip back east? Our was final be- trip before now with training yes. camps now upon us. It was beautiful. Little Red Sox game, uh, Boston for three days, the Vineyard for three days, you know. What beats that? Did you get any, um, obviously it must have been nostalgia filled, but this, the pings of maybe I will return home. Maybe I will live out my years on the vineyard with the rest of my family. No, because. Decisively, no. Well, I never, I never visit the place I grew up. I mean, I grew up three and a half hours from, from Martha's Vineyard, if you include like that you have to take the boat. And then I always stay in Boston with my buddies and I didn't really, I don't really know Boston. So I never go home home. But yes you know what or I mean? no, your heart is in the vineyard, yes or no? No. No. Uh, you, you, didn't you say your mom listens to the show? Yeah, but that's, they, they are my heart. They <laughs> yeah, are Rosenthal's my, like, whoa, whoa, they whoa, are my what? family. They know. I would never, who would want to live, I don't want to live there. It's too cold. Were you about to say who would want to live on Martha's Vineyard? I feel like a lot of people would. Okay, that's fair. It is, a be- it is an amazing, it is a great place. My brother's also there. So Yeah, so we're all back together. Uh, here we're, we're at stage five here at the NFL Media Complex. If it sounds a little bit different, which I imagine it might, don't complain. Don't send Ricky a bunch of tweets. Uh, you're not getting the sound right. Right, Ricky? That ain't right. Because it's not her fault. We're trying to get back up to our studio. We're not there yet. Hopefully by Wednesday. And uh, again, as I mentioned on Thursday's show, uh, we'll have 
Mina Kimes of ESPN on, on the show on Wednesday. Greg, you will be, not be here. You're going to be on the road. Is that I'm correct? I'm going to Ravens camp for a few days. You're Where is that? Revitalize Owings the, Mills, Maryland. You're trying to revitalize the Ravens' nest? I mean, you could call me up from there if you guys want. Yeah, see what's going on. I don't know. Seems but, uh, yeah, just for two days. But I'll be back for, for, for Friday's show. Did they get a, a look at your making the leap on Lamar Jackson piece? Is that why you've been invited out there? To... I think that was the NFL, you know, uh, our boss's idea behind it, oh. yes. What about the idea that perhaps at this point your love of Lamar Jackson is so out of control that you're traveling across the country? <laughs> a restraining order may be the best idea uh, for Eric DaCosta and company. I mean, tough I, but fair question. I'm not a threat. <laughs> I couldn't catch him. Um, okay. So, yes. Mina's here on Wednesday uh, to talk about her Baker Mayfield piece. Greg will be back on Friday. Back to three shows uh, and much to get to today uh, as camps continue to roll out throughout the country. It's a very exciting time on the calendar. Hope season, back in business. On today's show, we're going to go through some, uh, you know, as camps open, there's always high-profile veteran names that you, for years and years, maybe they populated your fantasy teams, maybe they've been number one jersey sellers where you support your favorite squad. But all of a, season, all of a sudden, maybe they're going to be out of work. Veteran cut candidates. Mm. Greg, you wrote a banger on this. So we're going to follow your lead then. <laughs> so, uh, what's the word for like sub banger? Sub banger, I think, is what we've landed Maybe a on. Sub banger. Uh, In like February, when you make these lists, it's pretty juicy. Now it's just like if you don't make the team by now, something's gone wrong. I know? mean, there's a big running back name on this list. That's fair. We'll get into Mezzanine that. Mezzanine level banger. We'll get into <laughs> that. Uh, we'll end the show with one big thought about uh, what's going on in the NFL's camps open. But before we do that, it's time now for what we are hearing, presented by Sirius XM. Let's do some news, Ricky. Hey, you're Rick f-ing Dalton. Don't you forget it. Ah, uh, yes. It is time. If you don't know that, what that is, that's right there. That's who, Mark. That is Brad Pitt talking to Leo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. So three of us are going to see on Thursday night. Opening night. Mm. But in a bit of breaking news on the personal front, let's hear it. Inside the building, you know you like to create power rankings of people that you simply like the most. Some are at the bottom of the list. A young woman in the building has shot to the absolute top of my list. Ooh. Received a text last night from Miss Tara Deeker, oh, who yeah. had invited me. She's connected for this evening to the media premiere up at the ArcLight in Hollywood of Once Upon a Ooh. Time in Hollywood. So my Sunday night was going fine. <laughs> and suddenly it became the Sunday night of Sunday nights. Mm. And in mere hours, we are leaving to go How see How exciting. And, and big job by Tara Deeger, who is a longtime friend of the show. This is, where do you put Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I'm very excited to see this movie. Uh, if, course, if you're not aware of it, it's a Quentin Tarantino film, his ninth centering on late 60s Hollywood. There's a little bit of Manson murders juice to it. And of course, it stars... DiCaprio and Pitt, what else could you ask for? And a host of other huge stars. Is this the most excited, Mark, you've ever been to see a movie? In my current adulthood, because I think as a kid, some things would just freak you Star out. Star Wars, I'm yeah, sure, I mean, is probably kid, the next this, thing for you. This is the one where all the elements are there. And it, it, a lot of times you get excited for a movie and they ultimately vastly disappoint. That's happened to me over and over. And I know nothing <laughs> about what's going to happen in this. They said that the 
imagination scales off the charts and that it's his Tarantino's masterpiece. So I think if you already like Tarantino, he's at the top mm. of his trade. So I am very excited. For this this, this one is buddy. checking all the boxes at a time when you are most interested in movies. I think so too. Then I'll just simply leave Los Angeles as of tomorrow morning after <laughs> seeing it. So. Uh, let's get to the news. Yes, the NFL will start here with news around Tyree Kill that broke on Friday, uh, but we didn't get a chance to talk about it, so we will now. The NFL announced Friday it could not conclude the Chiefs wide receiver Tyree Kill violated the league's personal conduct policy. Uh, therefore, he will not be suspended. Hill can attend Chiefs training camp, which opens on Friday. The league released a long statement on the matter. I'll read a couple parts of it. Based on the evidence presently available, presently available, the NFL cannot conclude that Mr. Hill violated the personal conduct policy. If further information becomes available through law enforcement, the pending court proceeding, or other sources, we will promptly consider it and take all appropriate steps at that time. Uh, Hill, for what it's worth, also released a statement. The last few months have been very difficult for me, especially as a father. The false allegations originally reported in March were highly publicized and involved the care of my son. I am grateful for so many things and grateful for so many people who have supported me during this challenging time. I fully respect and accept the NFL's decision. And I bet you do, Tyreek Hill, because, uh, Wes, this was not the outcome uh, that many of us saw coming. There was an idea that you wouldn't see him at all, that he would miss a great chunk of the season, perhaps a month of the season. Instead, he doesn't miss any of the season unless things change from where they are now. What were your thoughts when you heard about this? Well, there's some, some similarities to Deflategate in that the original reporting threw off the story. Um, it turns out that he was never really a candidate for the broken arm on his child. There was no evidence. Um, the NFL could not get the case, filed op- case files open because of Kansas law, and um, the woman would not, Crystal Espinall, would not cooperate. Um, I think for me, I was, I don't want to see a guy railroaded if there's no evidence he did anything wrong. On the other hand, I was absolutely gobsmacked that he was not only sus- not suspended for you need to ter- be terrified of me too, B-word threat, um, but that the NFL and the team, their statements didn't even discuss that threat, that this wasn't even, to me, the precedent is there from, from Roger Goodell with Big Ben to say there doesn't need to be a conviction to be a suspension. There's precedent from Jimmy Smith that if you're threatening your significant other, you can be suspended from that if people's lives are in danger, if people's health is in jeopardy. And to me, this met those challenges. This is a guy on his second chance. Um, and when you make that level of threat, to me, it's just chilling. And I can't see rooting for this player if I'm a Chiefs fan. And if I'm the Chiefs themselves, I cannot see extending a guy who is making this threat with his history. Right. That, that's one of the most surprising. There's a lot of surprising aspects to this. But the, the fact that we're already hearing talk about whether he could be extended or whether he would be a trade kid. I guess we have to wait and let it play out to see. Uh, but Ian, you know, Ian Rapport, our guy, has mentioned that he he that they would be interested in getting something done long term. Which it's one thing to not find enough evidence because the law didn't find enough evidence, and we're we're very quick to to criticize the NFL, and a lot of that is is well founded. But it's also I think okay to admit that it's exceedingly complicated. 
that when the law uh, runs into a brick wall, it, it, like why why do we think the end? Like if anything, the fact that the NFL is investing so much money in investigating is I don't know almost overconfident that you're going to do a better job than the law. And this is a case where if you want to go back and you want to go look at all the details, the the text messages that they've that they've put out, um, the entire eleven uh, minute. Um, you know, call uh, or conversation that was recorded between him. There, there's a lot there, and I too, Wes, am surprised that that the verbal threat would not be enough, um, or that it wasn't even explained or acknowledged why that wasn't enough. I got caught up on that too, because there is precedent, as you mentioned, to hand out punishment from the NFL. What, no matter what happened in the legal side of the case, and, 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 and at best, there's a lot of hazy stuff happening here. But the Chiefs also could have stood up and done something to respond to this. I think that I think that it's another situation because it's you look at you look at how these cases have been handled over the course of the last decade or so under Goodell. There's a lot of confusion. How do you, if you have kids who know about this case, explain why this player is playing? How do you explain that to to a lot of different I, people? I mean, it's, it's it's confusing to me from that angle. But I don't. I do think that you can't just automatically punish him. If the case went the way it did too, it, it put the NFL in a weird spot. We've we've all worked connected to the NFL for a while now, and Mark, when you and I came here in 2010, how the NFL handled domestic violence was very different, and everything changed with the Ray Rice incident and the tape, and the league got a lot stronger and a lot better in how they handled these things. That's what surprised me so much about what's happened here is that if the same situation unfolds a year after Ray Rice, and when was that? 2013 around there, 2000, yeah, 13, I believe it was. I don't think there's any way Tyreek Hill doesn't get a beefy suspension, but it's almost as if now things have gone back a little bit now the other way. That's just the way it came off to me, and it's because of what you guys are saying, the idea that there was uh, not only the tape that had the threat, the verbal threat, which no one is saying didn't happen, there was also the past uh, domestic violence incident involving Hill and this woman. How is that enough for any games? And my last thought on it is, is the NFL, just from you know how you want to um, be seen, I'm surprised that they didn't hand down any discipline. Because if you would have given him two games, four games, eight games, I don't. There's going to be no outcry. But by giving him no games, it really does open you up to a waterfall of criticisms. And I'm I'm really surprised. I how think it in a pr- I think well, not that they're lo- looking for a result, but that would have been a more comfortable answer for them to reach. But I the the thing that struck me right away because we know so little about these cases is like. It's amazing to go back and listen to our podcast and listen to every single television show that covered this case talk about as if his career was over. That's how we talked about it, that his career was over, that, that there's this rush to have like opinions right off the bat, and we're guilty of it too, but, but everyone is. I'm, I'm not just singling ourselves out. That like In that moment, uh, the, the information that in the quote-unquote like analysis or hot takes that everyone was having that week was just all based on just total guesswork. And like and and now we have the information and we can talk about it a little more and it's still but we don't. It we have more. I, I we, think, we at least so know we what had, the NFL is gonna do. Incorrect information out of the gate. I think some of the hot takes were what we where we thought the case was going and right. it shifted. Right, but like the point is no one knew anything and everyone is sort of like assuming that okay his his career well he's definitely done with the Chiefs. Let's we let's move on and and talk about whether any team will ever happen or he'll definitely be suspended for the year. And it's like no one knows anything and I and I we saw still it t- don't. 
Like I kept thinking of the word inscrutable, which means incapable of being investigated, analyzed, or scrutinized, impenetrable. And that describes this case. Right. Because the case files are closed and because she's not cooperating. The second definition of inscrutable is not easily understood, mysterious, unfathomable. That is domestic violence policy. It is domestic violence policy outside of sports, in sports. And Diana Moskovitz, who used to work in our newsroom and is now with Deadspin, wrote a big article on this a couple years ago, which I found enlightening. And it's easy. The easiest thing to do is cry for a stiff punishment to banish Mm -hmm. the guy from the league. It's really easy to do that because, like you said, Greg, nobody's going to... Nobody's going to argue opposite of that. Right. But, you know, there are a couple of reasons for this. Wives and girlfriends don't want to judge. They don't want to jeopardize the player's career, which would in turn jeopardize their child support. So that's one reason not to cooperate. Number two, they don't want to give a person with violence issues the biggest reason possible to get angry because you've jeopardized his career. And number three, many of these players have no community or support system outside of the NFL, outside of football. So if you take all that, all those factors it's going to continue to be inscrutable. We're not going to be able to figure this out, and you have to take this on a case-by-case basis. Uh, let's move on for now, guys, and uh, check out what else is going on in the news. Big news for the Seahawks. It will start the 2019 season without a key piece of their defensive line. Uh, Jerron Reed has been suspended six games for violation of the personal conduct policy for an incident from early 2017. The league announced Monday. Um, Reed wasn't charged or arrested. He also appealed uh, the decision, but that was denied on Friday. So it's it's happening. He's out. It's a big blow for the Seahawks. Uh, 26 years old, coming off a season in which he had 10 and a half sacks and 15 tackles, started 16 games. And um, Mark, this is a team that traded Frank Clark in the offseason. Now they're losing one of their top young uh, defensive linemen. Uh, this is going to be a challenge for Seattle early on. It is. I mean, here's uh, one of the more promising young defensive linemen in the entire league who last year only Aaron Donald had more sacks from any interior lineman in the the NFL and is a big part of a rather thin Seahawks line that now is asking guys like Ziggy Ansah to have a career year. And and I I think it's you look at their schedule, their first six games include the Steelers, the Saints, the Rams, the Browns, and an, an early-look Cardinals team that people are going to be trying to figure out. But I will say that this case, if I'm not mistaken, reading about this, that he w- was linked to domestic violence accusations back in 2017, and this is tied into that, and it just makes what we just talked about even foggier to me. Right, and it, so uh, I think a local Seattle station originally reported that the Bellevue police had responded to a domestic violence complaint at the time and that there was no charges filed, and there's no more real details on that. And so that's why I even see the people today pointing out, oh, how un- inconsistent uh, the, the NFL is. How did this guy get 16? Well, we don't know any of the facts the in this case either a- a- at all. Like, we don't know anything about this case. But I think it does point out the whole idea of like, okay, domestic violence, is that's six games. It's like, no, th- there was never going to be a way to be consistent because every case is totally different. And it's hard to say this is a good or bad suspension when virtually no reporting has been done on anything to do with this case uh, since it happened in 2017, other than that, that little basic idea. Like, no one, no one really knows, so how, how can you be criticizing that? Uh, in other news, let's spin over to the NFC East, uh, where we have some holdout talk to get into, starting, of course, with star running back 
Ezekiel Elliott of the Cowboys. Rap Sheet reported Monday on Good Morning Football that Zeke and his camp have not decided yet whether or not he will hold out or show up when the veterans report on Friday. This is something that we talked about last week. Elliott has two years left on his contract, um, and his only real leverage is to withhold services. Uh, so at this point, uh, we don't know anything new, but it's still in the picture. And he's not the only big-time player in the NFC East thinking hold out Trent Williams of the Redskins, their Pro Bowl left tackle, who um, had the procedure on his head, the, the scary, uh, it was a, some type of tumor on his head that was removed. He also wants a new contract. He's upset with the team about how they handled some things connected to his health scare. Uh, so it's a big stew. Mike Raffalo, um, Garofolo, still after all these years. Yeah, I don't trip you. <laughs> I mean, Gene Garofolo, recovered. Big time comedy star, you know, and you can't just throw in a Garofolo after I've been hearing Janine Garofolo for 20 years and expect me never to cross it up. Which of those two are the bigger star right now? Mikey G. Mikey I, without question. On a spaceship. Anyway, uh, just rocketing upward. Anyway, he reported on NFL Network that. Trent, Ill- Trent Williams' situation, it could take a while for him to report, if at all. So there is, there's no change, uh, Greg, in that situation with the Redskins and Williams. A lot of bad blood. You wonder how that's going to uh, work itself out. He would be very... I don't see why they would want to trade him, but if for some reason they did, I think they could actually get quite a bit for an all-pro sure. left tackle. The Zeke thing is a little more surprising, and maybe just, like, who wants to go to training camp? It's not that big of a deal, but... You know, can Zeke get through like one off season without getting suspended for domestic violence or having his own incident? You know, it's almost it's yeah, interesting to me that now, right now that that you would feel like you have enough leverage that any of the off field issues for Hill or Zeke wouldn't matter at all, almost or wouldn't be that big of a factor in contract talk. In other NFC East news, Darren Sproles and the Eagles agree to a one year contract. Uh, Sproles who. Had been looking for work. He's had some injury issues as his career has gone on now, and now he's looking to catch on with a Philly team where he had some great success early in his career. But it's going to be an uphill climb, Mark Sessler. Jordan Howard, of course, acquired from the Bears via trade by Philly this offseason. Miles Sanders, a second-round draft pick. Corey Clement, uh, Wendell Smallwood, also set to return. Darren Sproles, that's a crowded room as a 30-something running back. I mean, he gives you, he gives you if he's the same guy special teams help and I think that they know who Darren Sproles is and they trust him and want to use him and want to see where they are by the end of training camp I'm not sure he's a lock to make the roster I mean there's a lot you got to look at this team and wonder who is your primary feature back if you needed to target it from a fantasy perspective oh from I'm just saying from like who to even latch on to here I don't think you need one from a football team angle at all that's a fluid situation and I'm not sure you Stein Darren Sproles at this point in his career with the idea of playing 16 games, to me it's more like carry him on and off the roster at times until the postseason and see if he's your passing down back. Um, Mark, it's a situation I like to say, they want to see if Darren can still play the guitar. That's You've said it perfectly, Dan. Uh, in other news, let's spin over to the team of West TL, the Denver Broncos. <laughs> Who Wait, have, is it? <laughs> who have a, it's very close right now between no. the Broncos and Colts. It, it is, is, no, it the is Colts, not close. The Colts. What a horse race. Now, a lot of people say Colts no-brainer, but if you've Was listened to Was that a play every, on words? Uh, intentionally? Broncos, no, Colts, horse it, race? Yeah. Totally nailed it accidentally. <laughs> but if you've been listening to every show this offseason, or you've been hosting every show this offseason, you know this is a love affair in full bloom. 
That is that is preposterous. I am totally on board with the Colts and everything they're doing. The Broncos thing is all relative to how the rest of the football world feels about them. I just think a lot more they highly of the Broncos you. than you than yeah. everyone else. I, I mean, I, this is like the fourth or fifth show in a row that the West Broncos sort of man crush scenario has been a theme. I get it. I got a a feel. You know, it took one Vic Fangio interview on uh, Inside Training Camp today to just make me even a bigger fan. I'm all in on the Fangio experience. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I thought you were going to go the other way, Fangio. That he, by deciding that he was not going to let music be played at practices, that would that would when get you angry. When he explained it, though, right. no. When he explained it, he he seems like he's not sweating the small stuff overall. Right. He seems like a cool guy. Would you rather have that cool or guy. like excessive tweets breaking down like Chip Kelly's Eagles playlist, <laughs> which was a low point? I also like if I you, think it's ridiculous that he's banning music, but whatever. I'm not going to. People are starting to get on, on board hill. with that Flacco. You know, Flacco. We've talked that he's got good hair over the years. But what he's doing right now with his facial hair game, I find very interesting that he has a higher percentage of his entire facial area covered by hair than I think anyone. I mean, he's got it like right yeah. underneath his eyes. It's basically like the whole thing and just his eyes. It's just hair and eyes. And I like that. <laughs> I mean, you I like, think a big thing in the... as we like, Usually they kind of trim that down, but no. he's got it like, it's like yeah, everywhere. it looks like a mascot. I think you guys are missing the other part of it, though. Maybe he's a hairy man, but that, you know, some people see that as masculine. I like that. That's I think there's saying. a lot of buzz Swarthy. continuing to build that Joe Flacco has flown under the radar for a full decade, backdoor hot. Really? Flying way under the radar. Bro. Simone and I saw I him you were in person. Say, like, I would say he's a comeback candidate today. I don't know about that one. He is, he is like all, any of these quarterbacks you see in person, 10 times bigger than you realize. Oh, yeah. And excessively more masculine than I ever thought Joe Flacco was and better looking in person than I thought he was. So back I'd door, have to bro. agree. Right through the back door. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about here. Uh, we're talking about Drew Locke, who maybe one day will be the man to replace Joe Flacco and will be the man to to give the Broncos some true stability a quarterback in the post Peyton Manning era and and Lord knows they need it under John Elway. Uh, he fell to the second round of uh, April's draft, forty two overall. But speaking of Fig Fangio, he's not ready to you know throw it out there that that this kid is knocking on the door to play big time snaps for the Broncos. Let's listen in. You know his college offense really had no carryover to pro offenses and he was under duress a lot of times in his college and you know so a lot of his plays he was running around and I I don't think he's far as long being a NFL ready NFL quarterback as he could have been okay so that's what I mean when he's got to get ready he's he's not a quarterback yet you know, he's a hard-throwing pitcher that doesn't know how to pitch yet. Mm. You know, so the faster he gets that, the better off he'll be and will be. I mean, you could say what you want about baseball, but no sport packs the analogies like baseball does. Well, it's well, been around for like a thousand years. So, there's yeah. also a, an old long-held axiom in baseball circles. You develop your own hitting and trade for other people's pitching because nothing disappoints year after year like young pitchers. Hmm. And, you know, Locke, what he's saying, he's not, people try to read into that as, oh, no, Locke's in the doghouse. Not at all. It's just he's a project, the very essence of what a true project is, which you never really hear in the NFL anymore. Everybody just inserted right in the lineup. But you have Fangio keeping it real and being like, this kid's going to take time. I'm working on a piece about when rookie quarterbacks will make their first start. Does this help you? This this, uh, impacted Mm, my... save you? It helped me a little bit. And I got to say with Fangio... There was a time when Dan, when Wes and I fell in love with Dan Quinn during that Super Bowl, consecutive Super Bowl weeks, 
when he went on to become a head coach, we loved it because we got time to talk to him. Vic Fangio, I once sat down during the Super Bowl week at a table, one of those round tables where no one was sitting with Vic Fangio, and just sort of, this is a good opportunity to drum up some sort of a written piece here, could not have been more agitated with me <laughs> that I chose to eat up his time during no, this. No. He just rolled his eyes and said, uh, and so I was, he got on my radar at that point, but now I see a little bit of Bill Parcells in him, a little bit of Bruce Arians. Mm. I like him. Well, I think he looks at Locke as a guy he would love to go against as a defensive coordinator. Right. Locke, Locke and that was his... And that was his scouting report from the Daniel Jeremiah's of the world going into the draft that, like, he had a long way to go. So it's no big surprise. Flacco with a long leash, show. I mean, John Elway can't love those comments, though. Uh, you know. It's like the 18th quarterback John Elway selected that is <laughs> underwhelming. I mean, John Elway's a little on my radar. He was on ITC today, too, and he was, you know, when they, when they asked him why he had so much confidence in, in Flacco, uh, bringing Flacco in, and he just thought, well, Flacco had his best years with Gary Kubiak. And, you know, we're running a lot of the, the same things that Gary Kubiak did. I was like, well, it would have been nice to keep Gary Kubiak. Couldn't do that, it. I think that kind of, you know, it was not part of the plan there for Mr. Elway. I would, I would like to know more. I'd like Seth Wickersham. Yeah, let's get Wickersham mm, on that. Unleash him. That would be good. By the way, I remember that Super Bowl forty-eight, Mark. It was in New York, New Jersey. You sidling up next to me at the hotel bar and being like, Dan Quinn, front door hot. I did not say that, but I do, would not say he. I'm, I don't. He doesn't hit. He's not on my radar as hot or not hot. Is that the Super hot. Bowl between that and like you guys having to stay in Jersey? Has that been like the fodder for the most stories told after the fact on this podcast? Wes and I were of not in New of, Jersey. We were the, in like northern Russia. Of, uh, any of the Super Bowl locations? I feel like that one's. Lived it was on. an outpost. Uh, injury news as training camps uh, roll out. Julian Edelman, of course, Tom Brady's number one target. Um, he's going to miss the start of training camp with a thumb issue. You never like to hear a wide receiver connected to a thumb issue, but this sounds like something that uh, isn't going to be too serious, but they say he'll be out multiple weeks, according to Mike Giardi. Um, so something worth tracking. He had a small brace on his thumb at his youth camp over the weekend. Um, but for now, uh, we're hearing from Rap Sheet that it was, quote, Greg, mild trauma. I mean, they've got Philip playoff Dorsett in the mix, so they're going to be fine. You're fine. You're totally fine. Uh, and just I'll throw a few names out there on the active pup list. Very different. Active pup list, reserved pup list, totally different ball games. Active's fine. You can come off at any time. But J.J. Watt, knee. DeAndre Hopkins, shoulder. Sonny Michelle, knee. Demarius Thomas, Achilles. Sonny Michelle, knee. Mark, is that on your radar a little bit? I, well, it has been for a while because he's – I'm not sure what his <clears throat> role is going to be with this offense. I mean, he's certainly obviously – makes the team, but I think Damian Harris, the rookie, is someone that's going to get a big role. And all you've heard about is Sonny Michelle not participating, not being on the field, not being someone that they can count on in the offseason, and he has a long litany of knee injuries. It's, it it right. does not add up for a huge year-two projection. Well, we thought all of that last year at this time and worse, and then he went and carried the running game. I think game that's why they team. have, like, five yeah. running backs, though. They sort of, they see value in, like, these... Underval, you know, they're they're injury prone, but if you, as long as you have four of them, then you can survive that. I mean, my alone though, I'm mean, to be concerned about the status of his. If lower I was drafting body. him in fantasy, yes, as like a Pats fan, I'm not too worried because to me, James White and you know, and Damian Harris and the re- and even Burkhead right now is their fifth back. Like they're go- they're all gonna play, so it's fine. And finally, in the news, ladies and gentlemen, for one night only, Sashi. Ah, yes. Welcome. Welcome back. 
frags to the show. Sashi Brown, you remember him, the former Browns executive vice president, uh, who during his brief tenure there uh, tore down the franchise, built up draft picks. They went 1-27, passed on Wentz and Deshaun Watson. But then after he was canned, all those picks led to things like Miles Garrett and Baker Mayfield, Denzel Ward, and now the Browns are on the up. Well, he got a job. We were wondering, we were just talking about where is Sashi? He's working with the Wizards organization in the NBA. Um, they have some type of new program called Monumental Basketball, a new, newly formed collective um, between the Wizards and the Mystics, or the WNBA version of Washington's franchise. Anyway. And also the Capital City Go-Go of the G League, according oh, I to reports. I missed that. Anyway, so Brown will be uh, the chief planning and operations officer. So if you were wondering... If Sashi would land on his feet, he will. And depending, uh, Mark, on how the Browns do this year and in the coming years, uh, history will look back on him as a hero. I think that most Browns fans already would look back on Sashi Brown and say there was a lot of pain that went along with his plan, but it was successful. And to go to another sport doesn't concern Mm. me at all because it's not like football didn't he come um, from baseball? the forefront of analytics. Well, that's Paul D. Podesta, who's still with mm. the Browns oh, right. quietly behind the, behind the scenes. If Sashi turns the Washington Wizards around, then he might be as smart as all of like the Evan Silva acolytes and all hey. them. Thank you. Hey, he took Miles Garrett, so he gets credit for it. Oh, he had Garrett. Okay, good. Uh, that's what's happening in the news. Oh, man. Guys, they're terrible taking care of their health. Knee injury, bad back, something worse. Guys are usually more comfortable quote, rubbing some dirt on it, close quote, than seeing a doctor. The same is true for, yes, erectile dysfunction. With Roman, you can get medical care for ED from the comfort of your home and handle everything online in a convenient, discreet manner. Just go to getroman.com slash around and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides that treatment would be appropriate, They'll prescribe genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging right to your door with free two-day shipping. You know, people think, because we do these ad reads, it's like, oh, he's doing the b- read, and that's a bad thing. And he's like, oh, are you going to feel uncomfortable talking about this? Me, personally, I'm not. Because as a man, I understand why this is not a laughing matter. That if you were dealing with something like this, gentlemen, that go get help. Because it will make you a lot happier if, if you do. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Right, Wes? What an advocate you are for this issue. <laughs> I like that. I keep it real here. Just go to GetRoman.com slash around. Greg feels differently. No, I, I was just impressed at the professionalism and maturity <laughs> Excessively that you're showing. Excessively professional. <laughs> uh, uh, slash around to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash around for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash around. There is nothing to be ashamed of, boys. Get it. Get it done. All right, Greg wrote a sub banger, mezzanine level, <laughs> up in the loge, row Z, seats 14 and 15. It's like the front of the grandstand. <laughs> I had to ask three times for help to find the seat. Um, you wrote about veterans, you know, veterans that we know, name brands that could be in trouble as teams look to cut down to their final 53-man roster ahead of week one. Um, you want to get us going, a name that perhaps really jumps out to you or is under the radar a little bit? 
Well, let's start with one that's it's not under the radar, but LaShawn McCoy is the biggest name on this uh, list and to me the most interesting because I don't think it would be a money thing. He's due $6 million, but they have 20... Like cap space at this point in the year doesn't really matter that much. If, if a player's on the <laughs> roster, the team is planning to bring them to, to the week one. So when Brandon Bean says he thinks LaShawn McCoy can play still, I believe him. I think he showed explosion last year at times. But he also had 3.2 yards per carry in this offense. Does he really fit? They have pretty good depth with Gore and Yeldon and Singletary. If all three of those guys show out in camp and that they're all healthy, I think the Bills at that point would just be open to trading him for what they can get. And maybe that's a fourth-round pick. Maybe that's a trade down, you know, in the draft. Maybe it's not much. But I think, I think they would get something for him because I do think he can still play. 31 years old, 3.2 yards per carry, and I could not disagree more. His backups looked more explosive than him last year. If my general manager parted with draft pick capital for this guy, I would want him fired. Well, what, what I think could happen would be like a Redskin situation from last year where they signed Adrian Peterson, but they're the type of team I could see just giving up. You know, if there was an injury in training camp, to a team like the Redskins, who, you know, may, maybe it's not run by the most analytically-minded team or whatever, that they, they trade for LaShawn McCoy because they lost their week one starter, and here's a guy who can give you 250 You sort of you need disaster to strike kind elsewhere. Of, I think that would I help. I can also give you six touches when you realize that he's done. Now, <laughs> I don't think he was that bad I mean, last year. I really don't. There were some games I thought he it's looked quite It's hard to make good. 3.2 yards per carry look good. It's, it's not a good stat line, but, you know, David Johnson wasn't much better in Arizona this past year. You wonder if a guy, he's 31, so yeah, he could be in a, a decline and it's not going to get any better. If ever there was a guy that probably could use a change of scenery, uh, it's LaShawn McCoy, who's gotten paid a bunch in mm. Buffalo, but has essentially just become an obscure, uh, obscure figure after being one of the best pure running backs off the field. is a different situation with this team, yeah. but um, best pure running backs in the league, all around talents. It would not surprise me at all if he ended up somewhere uh, else in a better environment or a more winning environment and was a productive player. And it wouldn't he, surprise me. And he's the type of guy, if he got hurt, like you could see them cutting. Because that's the thing. They don't need the cap space, but why spend $6 million if you, don't, if you really don't need to? Um, who else, Greg? You have another running back on this list, a guy in the news, uh, Mark, your boy, <laughs> Baker, got, got on this guy's case a little bit a few weeks ago, but we haven't heard much since Duke Johnson. Well, that was, yeah, I put a few that I thought would be more likely to be trade candidates because there's no reason for the Browns to cut Duke Johnson. I mean, and, and to me, there's not much reason to trade for him, to, to trade him, because I kind of doubt another team would give them the value that he could, that Duke Johnson can give the Browns this year. They're trying to make the playoffs. He's a great complimentary back. I mean, he's a perfect complimentary back. And they're, if they're counting on Kareem Hunt, I, yeah, I'm not sure what you're going to get with him, and you're going to you're not going to have him until week nine anyways. So if if another team came and offered him a draft pick for Duke Johnson, then you listen to his trade request. If not, they'd say sorry. John Dorsey's the one who signed him to this extension. So why would he why would he want to move him? Seems like every summer there's a quarterback who's available in case your starter goes down in a preseason game and. On your list, Case Keenum is that guy. Once they drafted Dwayne Haskins, to me, he became extraneous. What yeah. does he give you that Colt McCoy wouldn't already give you? That was my thought, too. The Colt McCoy and Case Keenum are essentially redundant. And if you listen to what Jay Gruden said about Dwayne Haskins before they broke for the summer, 
there are, it's it's not a finished product, but it is his type of quarterback, and he was gushing over him. So to me, Case Keenum feels like it's like last year when the Cardinals went and signed a bunch of guys before getting into the draft, and they got the guy they wanted, I mean, at least for one season, that you suddenly had these veterans on the roster that didn't make a lot of sense, and the Redskins have one too many quarterbacks McCoy, right now. McCoy's coming off multiple surgeries, so he'd have to show that he is healthy. But if he is, I think this then, is Cole McCoy we're talking about, Greg. <laughs> then uh, Case Keenum uh, is not a. It wasn't a bad trade for the Redskins because he's he's due three and a half million dollars. That's less than most veteran backups. Like I could see a team like let's say the Seahawks if they were really well. No, they're gonna see Geno Smith and they're gonna see a future Super they Bowl. Never a, they they never get a. They never get a decent <laughs> backup. But anyway. like a team that has a has a chance to win a Super Bowl. And feels like they they don't like their backup quarterback situation. Why not pay Case Keenum three and a half million? You know what we need to you know what we need now, because the NFL has really improved in the last few years, uh, especially the last two years with the trades. There's more trades. The tsunami has hit. Uh, how about now we kind of move it even to the next stage? Let's get midseason trades. Let's have the trade deadline yeah. mean something. Because I look at this list, Duke Johnson, perfect fodder for a midseason trade because the Browns do need him while Hunt is suspended, and then he'll become, you know, superfluous once Hunt's back, potentially. Keenum, same thing. They need to wait to make sure Colt McCoy's healthy. You stash him on the pup for eight weeks, and then you move, you could flip Case. Now, it's not that easy in football because of scheme and playbook and all that stuff, but... That'd be kind of fun. We've had some and decent pop with the trade deadline. You're yeah, right. We've talked for years that we would like to see it extended another two weeks or so because then suddenly, like something happens right after the deadline where a team that was streaking is in hot water because they lose someone like four days later. You have Carlos Hyde on here. What? Yeah, that was like uh, that was a shot in the dark. But seven hundred. Like just teams. Teams always get tired of Carlos Hyde faster than than they're expected to. The 49ers did. The Jaguars did. He's only got 700000 guaranteed. They really seem so high on Damian Williams. And they're a team I could see picking up another running back that, I don't know, it just, something's up with Carlos Hyde where you watch him, you think, this guy is great, but none of the teams that hire him like him. I like this, uh, again, this, he, he goes back to... the Chiefs, to, by the way. I'll throw the team oh, in my bad. out there. Greg my will, bad. will not get off the Geno Smith pedal. He writes of Paxton <laughs> really Lynch. The former first-round pick in Denver <laughs> will be Lynch battling Geno Smith for the backup job behind Russell Wilson. Geno's not going out like that. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Paxton Lynch, Geno is like... Uh, I mean, what a mismatch. Well, how about on Thursday's show, Mark? Ridiculous. You, you mentioned how uh, Wes threw in the kicking situation... In where was it, Wes? It was thinnest, in Chicago. Yeah, Chicago Bears thinnest position group. Perhaps as a nod to your podcast mate, the old Zeuser. How about Greg throwing Seth the Valve in here, <laughs> just as a, a nod to his his long forgotten and separated friend, Mark Sessler? Well, I thought you were going to go Mason Crosby because he would immediately wind up in Chicago potentially. <laughs> but yes, yeah, Seth the Valve. I think that that was a. A, He's a tight end to football fans. A really Browns just... tight end who I have been saying for months will wind up with the Patriots, and Greg has come around to completely agree with yeah, me. Yeah, so, this, so this. There's, there's no way Green Bay's keeping Sam Ficken over. Probably not. Have you seen but, Sam Ficken kick? I'm, no, I mean, I haven't. Every but, time they put him in for a line, he blows I like kicks. it when new staffs come in and they're like, hey, we don't have the same loyalty. We're going to make a statement by <laughs> you know releasing one of your favorites, Aaron Rodgers. Sorry, Mason Cross. Yeah, and that that seems unlikely. I think he sleeps soundly at night. I'm looking around for first round picks. Yeah, Laquan Treadwell of the Vikings, 2006 first round. You want to know how far can you take? How many paychecks can you get as a first round pick? You can usually get about two years worth of paychecks, 
And that's not bad because it's nice money. But by training camp three, if you've done Jack and Laquan Treadwell certainly qualifies, you are on the bubble. They thought he was going to be Michael Irvin. That's who they were comparing him to when he was drafted. If they had better wide receivers. Michael Irvin now? Michael Irvin of now would be fine. <laughs> he has 500 <laughs> yards in three seasons. Total. Yeah. Well, yeah, you have to try like, to be that ineffective. So, but they don't really have any... Oh, right. This is his fourth season. Yeah, oh, this he's, is fourth. They, they don't have many good... Uh, Count your blessings, Laquan. It's also the guys that like didn't have the fifth round... Uh, the fifth-year option picked up. That they're they're on borrowed time. There's a few of those on the list. I, when I, Jordan Taylor and Chad Beebe are getting more like positive press than you are, you're in trouble. I, I uh, put a couple Patriots in here too. Rex Burkhead and Demarius Thomas, who both have big names, and I kind of can't imagine them ever cutting Burkhead, even though he was not as good a player. I would say down the stretch last season and. Did not have even the best Super Bowl. I, I would uh, forever fantasy sunk cost. Rex I, I would mention, but I kind of can't imagine them cutting him. Uh, and usually injuries have a way of working themselves out. But Demarius Thomas is someone, thirty-one years old, coming off a torn Achilles. I think there's an idea in Boston. It's like, okay, like this is the next veteran that's going to come in and be a great value. Oh, but he might be the next veteran that's like Reggie Wayne. Hey, heads like, up, former yeah. Patriot, great, and and that's the, the last you hear of him. The jury was out whether he could still play before he blew the Achilles. Right, right. So, it's a tough sitch. All right, Greg, that was nice. Anything else you want to throw it's out there? It's a banger. No, that's fine. <laughs> Sitting right there in the mezzanine. It's like, you, Dad, should I bring my binoculars? Uh, yeah. Dad, should I bring my glove? Uh, no, you're not going to need it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to throw one more out. Tavon Austin, just because, talk about a guy that... Uh, one year removed from... I enjoyed that write-up. Yeah, just that one year removed from Steven them saying Jones. they're going to give him 15 touches a game. <laughs> He's probably not going to make the team. That's one of those times where the entire football cognoscenti, everybody gets a pat on the head because everyone called that out immediately as BS. Everyone's detector went off that Tavon Austin would never have a role in that offense, and sure enough, he did not. Um, all right, check it out, nfl.com slash Rosenthal. All right, before we go, guys, one big thought as training camp rolls out. Uh, this is not a conversation piece, although, sure, listen, it's a podcast. If you guys want to talk off it, we can. But more, what, remember in the sports reporters? Remember the sports? That's still a thing. It's like oh, a yeah. parting shot. Bob Lee. Bob Lee. I used to watch that religiously. Recently retired or announced his retirement. Uh, one big thought, Mark, get us going. I think that the thing that I find interesting, um, even from when we started here almost a decade ago to now, and with the rise of Twitter and with so many more people covering football that wouldn't have otherwise, and people that are analytically minded that didn't even exist 10 years ago, that it is, even though every team is making a bundle of money, which certainly leaves some teams with less, um, I would say, emphasis or desire to actually succeed, I love the thread that um, that Warren Sharp and Evan Silva have been on of late, and it's in Warren Sharp's Excellent Magazine, that there are a couple teams that have simply just chosen to be left behind, and that they are. this is the season, I think, more than any other, hmm. that will openly expose certain types of clubs. And a couple of the examples they point out which are so true is a team like the Bengals, which has been on my radar for a long time, still without the adequately robust scouting department. A team like the Chargers, awesome team right now, but doesn't even have an analytics department. And you've got clubs that don't still think like a third down back is relegated to late down usage when the trend now is passing to running backs on the early downs, that there are all these offenses that basically 
you look at the air raid, it started as a high school offense essentially and rose its way up to become something in college and now becomes a pro offense and that you have NFL coaches scouring high school attacks for new wrinkles and new folds. And you look at a couple teams that simply refuse to team build or refuse to operate on the field like these more modernized, flexible, weekly changing offenses. We said that about the Patriots since we've been here, that they change week to week and, the, and they bear the results of that. And I just look at a team, for instance, like the Giants, not to always pound on them, that they're about to pay Eli Manning $45 million over this season and next. And they basically today shut down the concept of a quarterback competition after drafting a first-round quarterback. You are operating differently than the teams that are at a forefront, that are ultra-creative, flexible, and use players to their strengths. Mm. And if you're a fan of one of those teams, I think it is a better argument now. I didn't always agree with this from Wes. The ditching your team to enjoy the sport for what it is. I wouldn't do that whoa, personally. Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, hold on. So with the Bengals, you were so irate with how they were run that you came to a breakup scenario that you feel strongly about still why you, why you went through that process. I'm not going to try to explain it I have it never for advocated for other people to break up with their teams. The Bengals of the 90s, if you think their scouting department now is Spartan, you should have seen it in the 90s no when doubt. it was all members of the Brown family and once in a while, an announcer for the Big East would give them a report. It was basically like the Street and Smith like college football annual. Was what I'm saying department. is that you shouldn't necessarily chase after that, but it is acceptable because there's you're, more you're coverage talking more than ever. about like the concept that Evan and Warren have been saying about tribalism, and really attaching to you know what they say laundry. No matter what your team does, no matter what offense they do, no matter what the players do off the field to offend you, you're always going to stick up for that team, that team, that team. And you're saying maybe it's like, you don't it's need like to Chiefs be that fans fan. treating this week as some sort of like celebration. Yeah. Right. But I also think it's not just little things like, you know, players coming and going, but how the team is run over the course of 15, 20 years. If they are distinctly choosing to not be competitive, mm. what have you signed up for? That's what a, are you choosing to do with your autumns? It's fair to ask. It's fair to ask that question. I just always take exception to people who, like, their team goes on a losing streak and they're like, I'm going to pull a West and just... Well, I think that's different. <laughs> that's, that's not sticking with, with a team. I'm talking one that fundamentally over the course mm. of a long period of time shows no desire to be competitive. That's fair. One big thought, Greg Rosenthal. Mm. If I had known you were going to compare it to like parting shots, I would have like broke. I would have written down my best like thirty-five second Lupica, Lupica. You know, thank you for thing not where you could that. totally see where it was going the whole time, and you just ended it in a <laughs> smug, terrible way. <laughs> uh, Lupica takes fire. Yeah, Lupica needs to take fire. You know what? Uh, Mark mentioned you know the air raid and Kyler Murray, who. I think is just a symbol of the the turnover of the young quarterbacks that like the revolutions here. Like we've, you know, you've wanted the turnover. I I've been writing about it on QB index since I started writing that article, which was six, seven years ago. And I think I was, I was always premature, but now it's here. Like the turnovers happened, like it's happened. And this is a big year for it. Kyler Murray's a really like exciting, crazy outlier part of it. And so is Lamar Jackson. And those are two of the guys I'm most excited for, but there's, so many others. I mean, the MVP of the league's entering his third year. Sam Darnold has a lot of crazy athleticism and, and everything that you would want out of a young quarterback that you didn't necessarily see too often 30 or 40 years ago. 14, you know, if Rosen started, 14 of the of the starting quarterbacks are on their rookie contracts. 
And that doesn't even count Carson Wentz, who's already re-signed. So the league is so young at quarterback that that's, you know, the thing I'm most excited. And some are going to go up, and you know, whether it's Watson or Mayfield or whoever it is, and some are going to go down and and inevitably be disappointing. But, like, the turnovers happened. Brady Brady and Rivers and and Ben are all still there, but it's now uh, weighted towards the young quarterback. So that's the norm around the league. That... That's funny. My point is similar in that when you look at training camp coming up, what do we have for actual camp battles? Rosen versus Fitzpatrick. Haskins is going to win the Washington job, right? Yeah. I think they want him That's to. A battle. I it wouldn't. Sh- I could. I totally see could. him like replacing Keenum in week two or something crazy. Kyler Murray is not losing out to Brett Hundley. Um, <laughs> no, no. And when you look at it, there are five quarterbacks. As Greg alluded to, entering week one at 37 years of age or older. Brady, Big Ben, Rivers, Eli, Breeze. Only Eli and maybe Breeze have a successor in place on the roster. Then you have the teams like the Raiders, Broncos, Bengals, Titans, Buccaneers. They have established starters in place, but if things go sideways this year, that could change quickly. So my my big one thought right now is this year, this summer, is not going to be like a major point of excitement of, of who's starting where for the most part, but that's going to change a lot and very soon. So if you're a team, for instance, like the Dolphins right now, who, yes, maybe Josh Rosen does step into the lineup and prove that he's a, a guy to build around. Um, I'll believe that when I see it. But the Dolphins are probably thinking privately that Rosen's a flyer and we're all in on the top of the quarterback class in April and the way we see it now, we're okay. We're not going to have a ton of competition. Just wait, because this is all going to change. And these quarterbacks getting older uh, is going to lead to a big sea change uh, where there's going to be a lot of established franchises looking to build at the game's most important position. Hmm. Tom Brady's on a contract year, and they don't have a successor. No. I'm just, it's just it's worth put, put, putting out there, especially when Baker Mayfield keeps saying, this is the second time he said that, that he was convinced that the Patriots were going to trade up to take him at number two. Yep. I know that's like ancient history now, but it just they have to be thinking about their next quarterback. So they're well, one of those teams, absolutely. I don't remember the last draft that wasn't <laughs> rife with rumors that the Patriots were going to trade up and select every quarterback in the first <laughs> uh, Wes, close this out. This is more about a one single team, and I don't want to be an active pup alarmist. But there's an AFC contender hanging by a thread right now, and it's the Houston Texans. Hmm. If anyone, I mean, obviously if their quarterback goes down, that's the same case with just about every team in the league. That's an issue. But DeAndre Hopkins returning from ligaments torn off the bone in his shoulder, an injury that happened in the playoff game, so nobody really talked about it. There wasn't as much fallout. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't some grotesque injury that happened on the field and you could see it, but it flew under the radar. J.J. Watt now on the wrong side of 30 with his major injury history. Will Fuller coming off a torn ACL. J.J. Clowney and his uncertain future and what that means for contract push, whether reports on time. Their running backs, Lamar Miller, who also nearing 30 years old and not the most explosive running back in the league. They don't have much depth behind him. If Bradley Roby is a free agent bust, if any one of these players goes down, they're done. Mm. I just and, don't and think you this is a team. their offensive line, which is suspect at best, and their quarterback's been hit as much as anyone. It's just a team with no depth. It feels like something we hear a lot every August with this team, and then they're right in the mix. And I, I mean, think this they is have way that's more the counter. Yeah. <laughs> that's I think all I'm going to say. They have more injury questions this year. It's fair. 
Watt, even last year, he had 16 sacks and was again, you know, an all pro dominant player. He was beat up a lot again last year. And you just wonder how much longer his, how much his body will take and whether he's a guy that ultimately walks away from the game sooner than we realize. Uh, I definitely sense urgency as a big issue with that team, especially with Clowney now. We, we seem, they seem to be willing to go year to year or less uh, with him. So they, to me, I think they're a boomer bust team. I'm with you, Wes, on that. I just think they have a higher ceiling than perhaps other right, people of, in here. Because of Watts. I don't, I, I, I'm not worried about their ceiling. I just think their floor is like easily last place in that division. I thought about and one of the worst teams in AFC if they just get an injury or two. Thought about putting Whitney Merciless on that potential cuts list. I don't, I don't think anyone, not many pass rushers in the NFL had a worse season than him, period. Much less one making the kind of money that, that he's had. That is some merciless criticism, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> I missed you guys. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So there you go. Good show. Four horsemen back together. Are you with us on Friday, Greg? Yeah. All right, good. Yeah. So it'll, we'll be back to three um, on Wednesday, unless we have a, someone sitting in Greg's chair. Me, Mina's stepping in for me, basically. Mina will be on the show, so we're looking forward to that. And uh, and so much coming up. As I teased last um, last week, things going on behind the scenes about the Around the NFL podcast. Mm. All good news, right? The one of, I was thinking, one of my big potential takeaways or thoughts going into the year, it's going to be a big year for Ricky Hollywood, Erica Tamposi. Mm. Just watch out there. I mean, mm-hmm. she is a ship taken off to the moon. <laughs> She's like, go to the moon. Do you know? It's they like used in, to fifty years ago in sports. Spaceships. It's like the you know age twenty seven season is where you really hit your prime. Ricky's right in that area now where her career it's either going to stay where it is and be okay, or it's going to make that leap, making the leap, Erica Tamposi. And I'm going with Greg. I think this is just going to be wild. She's so so, so not the Texans. There's no she, concern she, about the she floor She can't here. talk. Yeah, the, the name Ricky has been great branding, although confusing. Mm. I had a friend who thought Erica, Ricky, and, and still thought Lindsay was in the mix, too. We're all three rotating. <laughs> the Erica and Ricky were different people. So, I mean, I would say that person say needs to be doing people. a little bit more homework in terms of listening to the show. But um, Anyway, but yes, Ricky will be back with us as well on Wednesday. So the whole, t- the whole gang's together, and life is good. All right, this is Dan Hansa signing off for The Quiet Storm, The Mailman, The Old Boss, and yes, not just Ricky, Ricky Hollywood. The two words go together beautifully. Till Wednesday. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. 
My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 